Who's ready for the word? I feel, I feel like you're ready for the word. Sometimes I get up here and say it feels like an atmosphere of faith by faith. And sometimes it actually feels like an atmosphere. It actually feels like a room full of faith today. And that's exciting. I don't know about you, but I did not get out of my bed, get out of my PJs, get dressed, and come to church today just so that I could hear a talk and hear a couple songs. I came to encounter the living God today. I, and I don't think you, I, I think you did the same thing, right? Like, I don't think that you got out of bed on January 1st after staying up till midnight. Some of you crazies did that. Just so that we could just enjoy church and have brunch and go home. We're here. We might as well encounter God while we're here. He's available. And so I want to take hold of everything that is available. Uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, I don't know how many boxing or UFC fans we have in the room. Wave at me if you're a boxing or UFC. Everyone's like nervous. Like, can I like things that aren't Christian? Um, I'm a pastor, so I never condone violence. But I'm just kidding. I love a good knockout. Um, it's like... TKO, the more violent, the better sometimes. Um, but I love UFC, I love boxing, and anybody who knows UFC or boxing knows that the fight starts before the fight. There's a moment in every fight where the name of the fighter is called, the music starts playing, and they start walking out, and you learn a lot about a fighter based on the way that they walk out at the very beginning. And imagine with me for a moment, you and I are watching UFC or you and I are watching a boxing match and they call somebody's name and the music starts playing and they walk out looking terrified. They walk out looking passive or they come out limping or imagine they start to walk out but then they see the other fighter and they try to run back and you would look at that fighter and, they, and you would say they're not ready for the fight that they're about to jump into. And imagine if you saw the other person, they walk out with a pep in their step. They walk out confident. They walk out ready. You would say that person is ready for this fight. And I just sensed this so strongly as I was praying for you that the devil, not scary, but the enemy is watching us. At the beginning of this new year on January 1st, he's watching us and he's trying to determine how are they going to come out of the gate. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to walk out passive. I refuse to walk out limping. I refuse to walk out fearful. I'm going to pray in a way, worship in a way, praise in a way, dance in a way, shout in a way that lets the devil know I'm back and I'm ready for a fight. I'm not coming in limping or scared or nervous. I'm here to fight. I think we need to go ahead and let the devil know, I know you hit, hit me last year. I know you kicked me while I was down. I know you won some battles, but I am back, and I'm going to be victorious this year. Because here's the good news. You don't fight alone. The Bible says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Bible says the God of angel armies fight. Guys, we're going in today. The Bible says the God of angel armies fights for you. And at the end of the day, it's a fixed fight because Jesus has already won the victory for you. So let's go into 2023 swinging and fighting and letting the devil know we are here for a fight. Anybody else ready? One of the things that I am uh, obligated to talk about as a pastor on January 1st is New Year's resolutions. And uh, how many of you guys got some resolutions? I, any, uh, yeah, I know PK said that he wasn't a resolution person. Anyone have some goals? Let's call it goals. See your hand goals for the 
goals for the new year. I've got all the normal goals that all, everybody else has. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to get ripped. <laughs> you laughed way too hard. I'm going to look like Hugh Jackman. You know, jacked, man. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to look like Pastor Dustin. That's my goal. I'm going to save. I'm going to invest. I do have some unique resolutions that probably not a lot of other people have this year. Some unique resolutions are that I want to stop saying weird Christian stuff that weird Christian people say all the time. Or not weird Christian people, but they're just things that I say too much that I want to stop saying. Like I want to stop praying from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It's just a little goal of mine. I'm gonna stop. I want to stop praying for traveling mercies. There's something that I do on a repeated basis. You, there's no doubt that you've seen me do this. It's when I really feel in the Lord, I make this stank face. It's kind of like that thing. I want to stop doing that. The problem is I'm 90% sure that I'm going to do most of those things before we're done here today. I've got some resolutions, but I think that we all know that we are all very ambitious with our resolutions, and sometimes it's hard to fulfill those things. And uh, I think a lot of times we go into a new year and we say, I'm going to lose weight, and I'm going to get in the gym, and I'm going to get fit, and I'm going to eat keto or paleo or carnivore or whatever the diet blog tells me to do first. Like, I'm going to do all of the things. I'm going to get a side hustle. My side hustle is going to get a side hustle. My kids are going to start creating passive income. I'm going to start investing. I'm going to start saving. I'm not going to touch a carbohydrate. I'm not even going to think about pizza. Sorry, I have a cough. I don't know how to recover. I'm going to read a book a week. I'm going to start a business and cure a couple diseases. We are very ambitious at the beginning of a, of a new year. And, and then our goals and our aspirations and our dreams have a head-on collision with their greatest enemy, January 2nd. <laughs> Let me give you some stats. <coughs> Excuse me, on resolutions. A recent, a recent study shows uh, that on average, 41% of Americans will make New Year's resolutions and only 9% will feel as if they are successful in them. Thank you so much, brother. 41% of those who make New Year's resolutions, after one week, 75% are going strong. That's pretty good. After two weeks, it drops to 71%. After one month, it drops to 64%, and after six months, it drops to 46%, and it continually declines from there. I just wanted to encourage you at the beginning of your year. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me, we've been battling sickness at home, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I I really feel like, let me just stop for a moment and say, there's been, like, a lot of resistance on this word. My family's been sick. I've been sick, and guess what? The greater the the resistance, the greater the move of God is going to be. And so here's the thing about resolutions is uh, I, I've heard a lot of preachers talk about how resolutions are bad. And I've, I've listened to a lot of New Year's messages and preachers will normally say stuff like, we don't need a resolution. We need a revival. And then everyone goes nuts. Or I've heard preachers say, we don't need a resolution. We need a revolution. And then the organ starts playing. 
And 12-year-old me was always like really excited about that. Like, yes, revolution, revival, we want. But I didn't really know what that meant. And and I learned that the preacher thing to do is just to kind of like say we don't need a resolution, we need it, and then say something that starts with R. So in in true preacher fashion, I'm going to make an attempt at this. And I'm not anti-resolution. I'm not anti-dream, anti-goal. But if you want a new resolution without a new rhythm, you're not going to make it. In fact, new resolutions without new rhythms are like summer camp relationships. They are not going, they're not going to last. And so, I mean, like practically, if you want your health to change, you've got to get into a rhythm of eating right and making right choices and working out. If you want your marriage to change, you got to get in a rhythm of communication and date night. If you want your money to change, you got to get in a rhythm. Resolutions are great, but but rhythms are what fuel our resolutions to keep on moving forward. Now, today I'm not talking about practical resolutions or practical rhythms, but how many of you know in your spiritual life you need rhythms? In spiritual life, you need disciplines. In your spiritual life, you need some sort of consistency. There is power in consistency. Did you know this? There's power in doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. How many of you heard this, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? I get what people are saying. I kind of have a problem with the quote, okay? Number one, that's not the definition of insanity. Ask Siri what the definition of insanity is. I don't remember what it is, but it's not that, okay? Number two, I just think it's ironic that preachers have quoted that quote over and over and over again and expected different results. Are you tracking with me? And number three, there is something powerful about doing the same thing over and over and over. There's something powerful about consistency. There's something powerful about rhythms. And my goal today is, is not just to move you for a moment, but to preach a message that creates rhythms that last throughout the year. I brought a little uh, illustration. This is, a, this is a metronome. And the goal of a metronome is to keep you on rhythm, to keep, to keep you on pace. And I I, got to be honest with you. I I feel so strongly that God is going to do some incredible, powerful things this year. And I know the cynics in the room, you're like, preachers say this every year. And guess what? We do. It's true. Every new year, we're going to start out with a prophetic word, with a declaration. But can I teach you something about the prophetic? Prophetic words are rarely guarantees. They are almost always invitations. So if you got a word last year that this was going to be a year of breakthrough and you didn't see breakthrough, it's not because God didn't do his job. It's because we didn't accept the invitation. You see this in the book of Ezekiel. God says to Ezekiel, there's going to be a valley of dry bones that becomes an army. And then nothing happens until Ezekiel grabs a hold of the word, prophesies the word, and then he sees it come to pass. And so I believe this, and I felt so strongly from the Lord to make an announcement to you that this is going to be a year marked by miracles. I don't know if you heard me or not. Uh, This is going to be a year that is marked by the miraculous. And I wish some people would grab this by faith. 
Here's what happens. The religious people roll their eyes and the cynics fold their arms. But the hungry people say, yeah, I could take some miracles in my mind, miracles in my heart, miracles in my family. But as I was preparing for this message, I I, I would have loved to preach the message unexpected miracles or unrealized miracles. But here's what I've learned about miracles is they are more often than not byproducts of our rhythms. They're more often byproducts of our intentionality and byproducts of our hunger. And so I would have loved to preach on unexpected miracles, unrealized miracles. I would have loved to preach on money miracles today. But I felt from the Holy Spirit to preach a message to you entitled Metronome Miracles. Because my goal for today is for you to hear this clicking sound for the rest of of this year, which is why throughout this whole message, I'm going to have this thing because I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. (laughs) Like that dude just left. He's like, I'm out. I want to preach a message entitled metronome miracles. And I want to show you over the next 17 minutes, a place in the scripture where a rhythm changed everything. Go with me to Acts chapter three and verse one, Acts chapter three and verse one says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. And he went there to ask alms to those who were entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him as As did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Peter pulled the classic, I don't have any cash on me. (laughs) I have no no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. This is so powerful. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, and walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I am convinced that this miracle was not a byproduct of choice. This miracle was not a byproduct of chance, rather. This, this miracle was not a byproduct of ambition. This miracle was a byproduct of a rhythm. And I want to show you three rhythms that I see in this story that I believe led to this miracle. Here's number one. They went to the temple at the hour of what? At the hour of prayer. Everyone say prayer. I believe if we're going to see the miracles God has designed for us to see, we need to find a rhythm of prayer. I know this may sound cliche, this may sound uh, churchy, this may sound like you've heard it before, but listen to me, there is power in prayer. I've been in a lot of services, and I've been at a lot of conferences, 
and I have heard the greatest preachers there are, and I have listened to the greatest worship teams, nothing has marked my life like prayer. There is something that happens when the people of God choose to find a rhythm of prayer. And this is what was clear about Peter and John, is they had an hour every single day. The most devout Jewish men would pray three hours a day, morning, noon, and night. Peter and John went consistently to go and pray. And then the next day they would go and they would pray. And then the next day they would get up and they would pray. And I have found that we oftentimes want Peter and John's breakthrough, but we do not want their prayer life. We want their revival. We don't want their rhythm. We want their miracles. We don't want the metronome. And if we want to be a people who walk in power, who receive miracles, it's going to require a consistent life of prayer. Now, let me clarify something. Prayer is not twisting God's arm and convincing him to do something that he does not want to do. It's oftentimes how people view prayer. Like if I can yell enough and spit enough and get blue in the face enough, then God will finally, with his arms folded, say, fine, here you go. Prayer is positioning. I picture myself like a surfer. A surfer cannot create a wave. All a surfer can do is position himself for when the wave comes. In my prayer life, I picture myself, I'm swimming out to the place to where when a wave comes, I can ride it. And can, be, can I be honest with you? There are days where I pray and I feel nothing. There are moments where I cry out to God and I don't feel him. Can I encourage you in 2023, there are going to be days where you pray and you don't feel like God responds. So what do I do when I pray and I don't feel like the prayer is working? And the answer is this, pray again. Because here's what I love about this story is we get to see in Acts chapter 3 where the prayer meeting turned into a miracle. What we don't see is all the days where they went and prayed and nothing happened. What we don't see is all the days where Peter and John showed up in the same place at the same time, cried out to the same God, and saw nothing. What we don't see is them swimming out to the middle of the ocean and no waves. But at the end of the day, I've got good news for you. We serve a faithful God. And if you would be faithful to cry out to him sooner or later, you're going to have a head-on collision with the miracle, with the wave that you've been believing for. So when you don't feel like praying, pray again. And when you don't hear God's voice, pray again. And when you didn't get the breakthrough in 2022 that you were believing for, get up and pray again. There's power in consistent prayer. And can I just say this? Prayer is not just about bringing God's your list. Prayer is about fellowship. Prayer is about walking in union and proximity to a living God. Did you know the only way that you and I walk in power, like Peter and John walked in power, is through fellowship? When I was a youth pastor in, in Mississippi, there was an old man of God there. He's since passed away. His name was Brother Judd. And Brother Judd always had one message for me. It's very Mississippi, right? <laughs> First name, brother, last name, Judd. Um, Brother Judd had one message for me. Every time he would see me after the message, I would preach. I would walk down. Brother Judd would come up to me. He would say, it's about fellowship. It's all about 
fellowship. And I remember at the time just being like, amen. Yeah, I agree, Brother John. Yeah, that's good. He would come into my office. Pastor John, it's about fellowship. It's about relationship. Amen, Brother John. And I remember one time he came and knocked on my office door and he shared the same message that he always shared. And I said, you know what, Brother Judd, would you just come and pray for me? And Brother Judd said this to me. He said, well, I'm not real eloquent in my prayers, but I'll come and pray for you. And he came and he laid his shoulder on, his hand on my shoulder. And when this man began to pray, heaven filled the room. I don't know if you've ever been around people who when they pray, everything starts to shake. But this is one of those men. I remember him putting his hand on me and saying the most simple prayers. It wasn't charismatic. It wasn't deep. There was no piano playing in the background. But everything inside of me started to tremble. Why? Because when we walk in fellowship, we walk in power. And I remember after him praying for me, I stepped back and I said, it's all about fellowship. There's one mission that I have for my life, and it is to know God. be in union with God, be in fellowship with God, because when I am connected with him, power follows that. I heard Holy Spirit say this to me in December. He said, let them out preach you. Let them out perform you. Don't let anybody out pray you. And that's my goal in 2023. And I want to charge you with the same thing. Let them out perform you. Let them out preach you, sing you, sell you, whatever. Don't let anybody out pray you because there's power in your prayers. There's, there's power in consistent prayer life. St. Thomas of, of Aquinas was once walking with Pope, the, Pope Innocent II. And Pope Innocent II was showing St. Thomas all the beauties of the Vatican and all of the possessions. And he said to him, see, St. Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. St. Thomas responded, that's true, but neither can she say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And in 2022, the church has got, at large, the church has stuff. We've got the screens, we've got the lights, we've got the stages. And, but I'm saying, God, this is all great, and this is all necessary, and this is all important. But if I can't take a cripple by the hand and lift him up, then Jesus, would you release power on to my life? And the only way you and I walk in power is when we walk in consistent prayer. How do I live in a rhythm of prayer? Find a time and a place every day, just like Peter and John, to meet with God. i got to hurry. Number two, what is a rhythm that we need to find. This is a rhythm of responsibility. That's a fun 2023 word to share with you. Just encouraging. What's the great dream of your life this year? It's to be responsible. But this is what Peter was always doing. Peter was, you you know, Peter, Peter was walking through all sorts of different areas. It's day of Pentecost, and Peter says, someone needs to preach, I'll preach. Someone is supposed to walk on water. Peter says, I'll be the one that walks on water. Someone who needs to be lifted up out of their crippled state, Peter says, I'll be the one that, that does it. And, and Peter was in this rhythm of not just seeing problems, but solving problems. Maybe you've heard this before. There's a difference between thermometers and thermostats. A thermometer tells you that this room is hot because there's 500 people packed into here. A thermostat determines the temperature of the room. And I think in years past, we've had a lot of believers that are really good thermometers. 
And we're able to tell you where areas of culture are dark and where the lame man is and where the broken people are. But God is looking for people who will not just see problems, but like Peter, put their hand on the problem and do something about it. Can I just tell you, there's something on you. There's a power on you to pull people out. There's an anointing with your name on it to bring life to other people. And when I say it's a year of miracles, we often talk, think about receiving miracles, but you're also designed to release miracles. There's an old song that I've been singing. I'm losing my voice, so I won't sing it for you, but it goes like this. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Did you know the Bible says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water? Listen, Peter and John understood they're passing the temple. And this is the crazy thing. This is right outside the temple, right outside the church. So church people were passing this person on a consistent basis. He was there for 40 years. Acts chapter 4 tells us he was more than 40 years old, which means he was laid there for over 14,000 days. And then one day, Peter and John said, maybe this crippled man is my responsibility. Because he understood the river of life is not in the temple. The river of life is in this temple. Can I tell you today, the river of life is not in a worship team. It's not in a preacher, and it's not even in these four walls. The river of life flows out of you. There's a deliverer in you. There is breakthrough in you. There is a dead raiser in in every single person in this room, not just the people clapping, but in every person in this room. Can I tell you, there is a you that you have not met yet. And I'm praying in 2023 that you are going to be introduced to the you that you were born to be because that you sees problems and pulls people out of them. We need to get in a rhythm of responsibility. We need to get in a rhythm of believing I am who God has called me to be. And maybe you're in this room and you say, like, you, you got to be talking to like the good church people. Because <laughs> I know you're not talking to me because you don't know where I was last night. I was drinking, it was not Diet Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Maybe you're in this room and you're like, I would love to be the person that releases miracles, but I'm kind of messed up and I'm kind of broken. I made some mistakes. And can I just say, think about the person who was pulling this person up. This was Peter. This is the dude that was chopping people's ears off. He cussed out a little girl. He denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Guys, I've done a lot of things in my life. I've never denied Jesus and cussed out a little girl. This this is Peter. This is the inconsistent guy, the messy guy, the broken guy. This is the guy who's riddled with dysfunction and can I just tell tell you if God can use Peter to pull somebody out thank God he can use me and thank God he can use you that there's no mistake that you've made that disqualifies you from what God has called you to do we got to get into a rhythm of 
prayer, a rhythm of responsibility, and I'm out of time, so I'm going to skip some stuff. <clears throat> oh, thank you. <laughs> Pastor, someone just told me to take my time. I'm going I'm to do that, so... Finally, we need to get into a rhythm of faith. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse, I believe it's verse 7, if you have that. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. It's, it says this. It says that Peter and John pulled this man up, and then his legs were strengthened. And I'm reading that, I'm like, God, that's out of order. Because the way this is supposed to work is you release the miracle, you strengthen them, and then I pick them up. And God is saying to us in 2023, that'd be amazing, but that wouldn't require any faith. The way God often operates uh, in us is he demands us, he invites us to step out before he releases the miracle. And he invites us to step out of the boat before he turns the water into solid ground. It would be great if he only called us to bless people after the bonus and the raise showed up. It would be great if he only called us to be generous in our seasons of abundance. It would be great if he only called us to pull people up after they've already been strengthened. But we need to be a people who are living a life of faith. Think about Peter. Peter was just appointed the leader of the church. He's a a high-level apostle. He was taking a risk to pull this guy up. Imagine if the miracle didn't happen. It would have been safer for Peter just to walk to the temple like he always had. And while it might be safer for you to live a life void of faith, they stay stuck where they are. And we got to be a people who are willing to say, I might look stupid. This might not work. I might end up looking foolish. People might look at me, but guess what? I love you. But it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about him. And you might stay popular, but they're going to stay stuck on the ground. And I'm saying, God, if I'm putting my reputation on the line and my gifting on the line and my name on the line, I believe it's a good bet because I'm betting on a God that can pull that person out. A rhythm, a rhythm, a rhythm of responsibility, of prayer, of faith. It's a metronome miracle. It's every single day. What does this look like? It's in my life every day. I'm looking up in prayer. I'm looking over at people who need miracles, and I'm looking for the impossible. I want to encourage you to live in tune, not just with resolutions, but with a metronome that creates rhythms. You know, you and I have a tendency of inserting ourselves into every text that we read as the heroes. (laughs) And I've preached this whole message as if you and I are Peter and John. And I'm praying that this year you walk in that kind of authority and anointing. And I think if you live in a rhythm, you will. 
But I thought it would be a shame for me to preach about me and you being Peter and John when a more realistic scenario is many of us in this room are the cripple. Everybody in this room, in one area or another, is a cripple. And we do this, we, we, we view the text and we're oftentimes David throwing the stone or Joshua shouting and the walls falling, but oftentimes we are the beggar that is in need. And so I wanna take these last few moments of this message and I wanna talk to the cripples in the room. The Bible says he was carried every single day to the same place. Same dysfunction. Year after year after year. Can anybody relate? Dealing with the same stuff. Dealing with the same battles. Praying for the same miracles. This man was laid by the gate day after day after day, and he found himself begging, holding a cup, just hoping to make it another day. And I sense this so strongly because I don't want you to go into 2023 saying, I'm just going to take it day by day. I'm just, I'm just trying to make it. Because here's what's interesting about the miracle. What time did the miracle take place? Three in the afternoon, the ninth hour of the day. You know what's cool about that timing? That's the exact same time that Jesus in John chapter 19 and verse 30 said, it is finished. So there was a day where this beggar was wringing his cup, hoping to make it another day, hoping just to buy a meal. And as he was begging for something that would get him through the day, Jesus was announcing something that would get him into a place called eternity. As the sound of begging resounded from a beautiful gate, the sound of deliverance was resounding from the place called the cross. And Jesus was not saying, I'll give you what you need to make it another day. He was saying, it is finished. What's finished? Your paralysis is finished. Your dysfunction is finished. Your brokenness, it's finished. And the good news about the cross is the words of Jesus are still resounding today. It is finished. So if you're a cripple in this room, you know what he's declaring over you? It is finished. Salvation was not making a good person a little bit more good. Salvation was not me and you in all of our good works and then we just added a belief system on top of it. Salvation was Jesus taking a cripple and saying, now you're going to walk. Salvation is taking a blind man named Bartimaeus and allowing him to see. Salvation is taking the leper and healing him. Salvation is taking a dead man and allowing him to live and I I want you to see the power of salvation because we're talking about miracles 
But the reality is the greatest miracle of all is the fact that we serve a God who did not leave us in our brokenness, who did not leave us in our crippled state, who did not leave us begging and lame and broken, but gave his life for us so that we could stand up and begin to walk in power. Would you stand to your feet with me right now?